Hello, 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 and welcome to Navigating Children's Ministry. I'm Sam Beam, if you don't know me, and it's a new year, and I am so excited to be jumping in. I hope y'all had a wonderful Christmas. Christmas Eve went well at all of your services, a wonderful New Year's Eve, uh, and just a great beginning of the year. I hope you've been applying some of the principles that you have been uh, harnessing, some of that energy, some of that New Year's excitement. You've also been working on creating your goals for the year. And today we're going to jump into a new topic, a new section, uh, and I don't know how long we're going to spend on this, but, you know, I feel like I could spend forever on it, um, and uh, all of this is overflowing uh, from something I've been reading and learning in. If you have been with me at any uh, for any time, you know that uh, I call it Navigating Children's Ministry for a reason. It's because we're all still navigating and learning, right? Uh, you know, I'm not too many years into my uh, kids' ministry career, um, and I've only been a kids' pastor Oh gosh, nine months? Uh, not kids, but like elementary pastor. I've been a preteen pastor for uh, over three years, but um, really just now jumping into elementary. And so uh, when I say navigating, we are walking this together. And I want to share the things I'm learning, the things I've done poorly, the things I uh, have learned work well, and uh, just learn that together. So this one comes out of a book that I've been reading. Uh, my wonderful executive pastor, Corey Jones, uh, handed me this book and said, hey, you need to read this. And the book is called Trauma-Informed Kids Ministry, and it is absolutely uh, a must-read for, I think, any pastor. Um, And so today we wanted to look at understanding trauma in our kids' ministry. Now, um, this, uh, I mean, this whole episode right now is really just going to be kind of defining what that looks like. Uh, We'll spend some more time working on solutions. Today is a lot of Uh, questions, right? It's a lot of like, well, here's what you may see, here's what may manifest, here's what it'll look like, Uh, and over the next little bit, we'll work at solutions, Um, and we'll also be bringing the author on in a little bit for an interview that I am super duper excited about, so you guys definitely want to uh, lock in on this series, uh, and I hope there is a ton of good stuff for you guys out of it. Um, And so before we jump into, you know, finding trauma in your kid, uh, some of you may be wondering, well, what what defines trauma? Uh, and some of you may actually have a bad taste in your mouth from that word, um, or you may just not understand what it means. Um, some people uh, may have a perception that trauma is something that people use as a just kind of an excuse or defense mechanism or some way to avoid doing something they don't really want to do. Um, and while that may be a small, small minority of people, Uh, The reality is a lot of people face trauma in their lives. And so uh, the APA definition of trauma is that it is an emotional response to a terrible event. That's it. And then there's 78,000 layers to really peel back on what that means. Um, But basically, trauma is how we respond negatively to hard events in life. Um, and uh, the thing about trauma uh, that we've really come to understand over the past few years um, is that it's not just catastrophic events, right? Like, you know, losing your parents in a house fire at the age of four, that's a traumatic event. Um, but they've actually come to define trauma into two sections, right? They have big T trauma, which is something like that, losing a parent, uh, divorce, a sickness, major life events like that. 
um, will have serious trauma on somebody. But then there's also little t trauma um, that are smaller repeated events, right? Maybe it's neglect, maybe it's verbal abuse, maybe it's, um, you know, uh, sort of things in that area where it is not one large defining moment, um, but a series of smaller moments that have built up to create a trauma response, okay? Um, and so we're talking about this because it matters. And I think a lot of us think like, trauma in my church? No, there's no way. There's no way that these kids are coming in with trauma in my church. And, and my response to that is uh, twofold. First of all, maybe everyone in your church is fine. Maybe everyone in your church is doing really good. There's no trauma. That's great. But we want people to come in and feel comfortable and loved. And so what happens when that mother um, who has an adopted kid who has experienced trauma comes in, is that kid going to feel safe and welcome? Or what happens when those people who have come from a harder situation who may have and their kids may have experienced trauma and they want to come visit a church for the first time, are you equipped and able to do that? Are you able to help the grandmother who has grandkids who have experienced trauma when the kids come in for the first time? And the second is you would actually be surprised at the amount of trauma that uh, kids are experiencing that you would never know until you really dove into it. And so even if you think that is not a problem in your ministry, I really want to encourage you to listen and, and think through these things uh, and figure out uh, where you can apply these principles because I promise you they are universal, right? Um, so before we jump in, I want to make sure you guys know that this is out of the overflow of the book I've been reading. And so all of this series comes from this book. And so I really, really, really um, want to talk about it. And I really, really, really want you guys to go get the book, okay? Uh, I want you to get the book. This is one of the strongest recommendations I've had for you guys. And I hope you understand um, that, that this really is an important book for you guys to read. Um, and so go online. You can buy it, get the audiobook, get the uh, you know, ebook, whatever it is, whatever, however you manage to do it, um, buy that book and read through it and absorb the content, okay? So anyways, let's jump in uh, and ask the question, why as a church should we be trauma-informed, right? Uh, we've looked at trauma, we looked at, you know, why we need to be ready, and ultimately that all boils down to because we are called to love, right? We are called to love our neighbor, and we are kids pastors or kids volunteers or whatever our role is. We want kids to come in and feel the love of Jesus every single week, okay? So we are going to jump in um, and look at some of the uh, surface level visible signs of trauma and this is really to just jump start your engines right um so th this is the appetizer before the meat but but this is what i want you guys to do is i want you to think through that and think through the kids who may be presenting some of these things now we're not psychologists we're not going to go in and we're not going to uh you know diagnose our kids with trauma and be like hey i'm sorry miss patty but your kid definitely has experienced trauma. And one of the really cool things about 
this is that it can be a universal tool, right? Uh, so we're looking at kids with trauma, uh, but even kids who have not experienced trauma who are exhibiting these behaviors will still work really well under some of the solutions. So, right, we're not, we're not going in, we're not diagnosing, and we're not going to fix problems, but we're going to look at how we can make these kids safe and comfortable. So I want you guys to today listen to what is being talked about and think about the kids in your own ministry. Think about who may fall into this category, who may be exhibiting some of those signs, um, and how you can uh, begin to understand uh, that they're not just little gremlins, right? Uh, I think it's really easy to see a kid acting out, acting angry, acting upset, acting selfish, acting mean, and just automatically be like, oh my gosh, this kid's awful. He must have awful parents. He must have, you know, just no discipline. He must just be a bad kid. Uh, it's really easy to do that. And so I want you guys today to think about those kids, uh, the ones that make you want to grit your teeth uh, and, you know, just quit your job and not become a kid's pastor anymore because you can't deal with uh, all the craziness, right? Think about those kids, and we want to change that perspective. So today, uh, we're going to look at three of the, like the biggest ways a kid could manifest their trauma. And the first one is the obvious one, the one that we probably see the most uh, because it is the most see- seeable. It's the, mo- it's the one that presents itself uh, the largest. Um, and once again, just because the kid is displaying these things, that does not mean they've experienced trauma. Um, but when you see these things, know that it could be. And also, um, something really important to note for you guys is if you have a kid that is typically good um, and is typically well-behaved and listens and participates well, and they come in with a transform attitude uh, resembling some of these actions that they may have also experienced something difficult um, and may need help processing that. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, but number one is anger aggression and defiance, right? Um, and that is a uh, trauma response that we could all probably have guessed, that we probably all could have jumped into. Um, and the, the key with this one um, is that it's, it's large outbursts, especially uh, ones that are unmanageable, uncontrollable, um, and are difficult to deal with. Uh, and uh, so uh, for a kid who uh, comes in uh, and they may uh, get really, really upset when somebody takes one of their toys they're playing with, and they might just wallop someone on the head with another toy because it was taken from them. Uh, or a kid who gets very, very, very frustrated when someone tries to redirect them. Even if they redirect them very kindly, they get extremely upset, extremely vocal, extremely angry, uh, and have outbursts about that. Uh, or maybe it's, uh, you know, they lost a game and they cannot handle that. And they absolutely go bananas uh, and go crazy over that. Or or maybe it's somebody who's breaking a rule. Maybe it's an injustice that's happening and the kid is just super duper upset and really, really cannot handle that. Many kids who have experienced that trauma uh, experience difficult things in life. Uh, think about kids that have gone through abuse, kids who have seen violence, kids who have uh, heard and been uh, told things and uh, are just dealing with those. Think about what that would do to them. The reality is a lot of them feel like they can't control their environment. A kid who's coming from trauma uh, may be afraid that they cannot control their environment. They cannot control what is around them. 
Uh, and so it is their responsibility to do that. And when they lose that semblance of control, when a kid takes one of their toys, when they don't get snack when they wanted it, then they feel like they have to take things into their own hand. And that is when they become aggressive and violent uh, and defiant is because they want to take that control. And so that's the that's one of the big ones, right? Uh, anger, frustration, yelling, and all of that. Uh, that can be a sign that a kid has uh, experience some level of trauma in their life. Uh, and in between these, uh, uh, just to clarify as well, this is also something that could come up a lot with a kid who is dealing with special or additional needs. Um, and so keep that in mind as another lens to filter through. I know I just feel like I'm throwing a lot at you guys, um, but this could also manifest in somebody who has special or additional needs, and they'll need different ways to approach that with them. But like I said, this can also be a relatively universal uh, application to some of these behaviors. And so when we get to those solutions in future episodes, just know that um, at the end of the day, when you have a kid who's upset, who's angry, who's frustrated, who can't handle these things, uh, there may be a solution that generally helps, even if it is or is not trauma. Now, the second manifestation uh, is another one that we notice a lot. Um, and this one's especially difficult to really pinpoint and pick out. Uh, because it's it's stuff like hyperactivity, uh, disinterest, uh, you know, impulsive blurting out, the inability to stop things, uh, not paying attention. Uh, and, and a lot of us, we can get that mixed up with ADHD and hyperactivity, which a lot of our kids are dealing with these days. Um, but, but this one will manifest itself differently. Um, and most of the time, it will be very um, negative-based hyperactivity um, or very high-intensity uh, hyperactivity. So a kid may uh, just very bluntly and honestly be like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this. Like, <laughs> this lesson's boring or I'm tired of being here. And they may just say these things out loud um, and you're like, well, that hurt my feelings. I put a lot of work into this. And we may want to respond negatively, but, um, you know, that could be a sign of their trauma manifesting. Another thing is, is extreme hyperactivity, the inability to sit still at all, that they've got to keep moving, that they've got to keep going, that they uh, can't really sit still. And you have to think about in the perspective of these kids, uh, maybe they're disassociating, right? They don't want to have to engage. They don't want to have to feel they don't want to have to uh, be a part of it. Uh, maybe it is fear of being wrong, right? Uh, or fear of uh, taking that risk, right? Because I, there's so many times where they may have been shut down, they may have tried to do something um, and just had such a negative consequence from that that they uh, don't want to engage. They don't want to answer questions. They don't want to be a part of the story. They would rather just be by themselves and be alone. And so they're going to let you know that. Or maybe uh, it could be something uh, like they just don't want to stop because if they stop, then maybe those feelings might encroach. Maybe those feelings might uh, start to present themselves, but if they keep moving and keep themselves distracted, uh, they don't have to stop and think about hard things, then they won't feel those negative emotions that they're so afraid to feel. And so uh, that second one, hyperactivity, like I said, it can uh, be easy to be like, oh, you know, that's just ADHD. Oh, that's just, you know, a kid who who uh, probably needs uh, a little more Adderall or medication, right? And we can dismiss that, but when we do that, we're losing the opportunity, right? We're losing the opportunity to love them uh, as best as we can. And the last but not least, this one is the hardest to detect uh, because it is the kids that are totally quiet, right? It's the kids that are not disrupting, that are sitting in the back quietly, uh, that kind of just don't want to be noticed, right? Um, so they don't talk much. 
They want to avoid recognition. They don't really want to play the games. Uh, they they would hate if you called on them, uh, and and they kind of try and hide themselves from everybody. And once again, uh, there are shy kids, right? There are quiet kids that we have in our ministries that don't really want to do that. doesn't necessarily mean they've experienced trauma. But at the same time, there's other kids that just don't want any attention at all, that recoil from any interaction, that refuse to make any uh, conversation, uh, and, and, and just seem to kind of want to be invisible. You see, these kids are um, trying to uh, avoid any attention uh, in their lives. Maybe any attention they got was always negative attention. Anytime someone noticed them, they were getting in trouble. Anytime uh, they were noticed, something negative or bad happened to them. And so these kids just want to get overlooked because maybe if they don't get any attention at all, um, then they won't have to worry about the negative attention. So the reality is most trauma-impacted kids are going to respond in their own unique ways. I've given three big categories here, three big general areas, uh, but that's not going to be your stamp. And in reality, they may uh, manifest in different parts and different aspects of all three of these all together. But the point is to be on the lookout for these kids, to be on the lookout uh, and, and move past uh, judgment and frustration and anger Right, uh, Like I said in the beginning, it's easy to write them off as bad kids and get frustrated and call mom or dad and tell them, you know, like, I'm sorry, like they're just going to have to sit with you uh, and pawn them back to whoever is their guardian. Uh, but the reality is that that's what those kids are facing, right, every single time. Uh, if they're like that in Sunday school, they're like that at school. They're like that in their sports. They're like that with the people around them. Um, and, and so not even just from a kid's perspective, but from a parent or a guardian perspective. Um, some of them just want a place where their uh, kid or whoever they are uh, watching over just needs to feel safe, and they cannot find that. Right? We never want to be the church that looks at a broken kid or family and just says, sorry, because you act this way, like you can't be a part of our community, right? And we don't want to perpetuate that rejection and that pain and that hurt that so many of them are facing. So imagine your ministry. Imagine a ministry or even the worst kids, the kids who have dealt with the worst things and respond in, in negative ways and, and bring a little bit of this disorder and a little bit of chaos into your ministry. Imagine if they could come in and feel safe and welcome and loved. And so, like I said in the beginning, this week, take inventory of your kids. Who could be exhibiting some of those signs and behaviors? And next week, we're going to look at how we can help out these kids, how we can create an environment that is welcoming and warm and inviting to all of the kids. Um, and so, uh, in the meantime, while you guys wait for this episode, I promise you'll get a lot more if you go and get the book, Trauma-Informed Kids ministry. Uh, I'm going to have a link to that down in the show notes, um, but get it now. And here's the thing, guys, is this matters so much to me that I want to give away a copy. I want to give away a copy to uh, one of you guys. And so here's all that I need from you. Uh, as I've recently kicked back up my Instagram so that you guys can engage a little bit, um, but I want you to go to the Insta in my Instagram page, Navigating Children's Ministry. I'll have that link down below too. Um, and I'm going to have a post that's just like, hey, book giveaway. Um, and all I want you to do is you have to follow the Instagram page. 
you gotta like the picture, and then I want you to tag one other kids pastor that you know in the comments, and uh, you'll be entered for the drawing. Whoever wins, I will reach out, uh, and I will send that book to you as soon as possible because it really does matter. So uh, the rules of the contest will once again be on the Instagram, uh, but go find me navigating children's ministry. Uh, tag somebody in that photo, um, and one of you guys will win the uh, book, and I would love for you guys to have it. So with that, um, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, next week we'll be looking at some solutions, some ways we can work with kids, and I'm super duper excited about that. Other than that, you guys have a great week, and I'll see y'all later. Bye. <laughs>